This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And you're listening to the FCS Football Podcast, presented to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by my wonderful friend, Mr. Sean Anderson. And we had a wild weekend for the second round of the FCS playoff. A lot of outcomes that we were not expecting. There were blowouts. There were teams that scored upwards of 60 points. Two teams. Probably know what I'm talking about. We're going to get to that. And then we had upsets of seeded teams that we somewhat predicted. But still, it was very shocking. It was very unexpected. Nothing that we really thought was going to happen. No, it was a good week of football. It was, it was, it was, it was a very entertaining Saturday. I, I just want to say, though, yeah, go ahead. it was so hard to like follow all those games at once. Yeah. Because the first two were, were normal. You had the, a 1 o'clock game and a 2 o'clock game. And then... They crammed, I think it was four games at three o'clock. Like, is it just, uh, you probably in the same boat as me. Like, I couldn't pick one to watch. Yeah, it was, what are we going to do? There's eight games. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you can spread them out a little bit better. Like, this week they're doing Each four, game lasts three hours. Yeah, they're doing three games on Friday. They're doing one game on Saturday. So if you're going to commit to this sporadic Friday game schedule, why can we not at least do that when we have eight games you know wouldn't that make wouldn't that make too to much more sense viewership i think they're just trying to get more viewership on I would, a friday I, oh that's true but i yeah. would argue last week's hindered viewership having four games to be played I don't know. at the same I, time i, I, I don't know, know how I, many people are watching i know that not a lot of people are going to the games yeah that which was, was which actually kind of made me upset Ten thousand people at jamie mon to be fair it's finals it, it, that, that's no fair. excuse yeah. that's no excuse how many people would be that we if we were in a play, hosting a playoff game Mm-hmm. Wouldn't we have sold out Mead? Oh, easily. Easily. I think we would have. But we don't fit 10,000. Still. We, yeah. I mean, we had the fire marshals coming on the, the first night game that we ever had here. <laughs> so, I mean, we it would have been standing room only. Yeah, I, th- I think we could have pulled it off. I think we could have definitely pulled it off. But the thing is, when we went and played JMU two times in our career, did you go both times? Yes. They didn't pack the house, but they definitely had more than 10,000 people. It was like 18,000 both it, times. It had to just... It holds like 25. Yeah. Oh, well, I think it holds more than 25. 25. It's 25? Yeah, when I went on the visit, they said 25. And they're continuing to, exp- to expand yeah, it. it it's, but. Just, it's baffling. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get to all the game recaps. And obviously, you know, this is the Monday show. Joe's going to lead it. Mm-hmm. But go to the games. We were... Sta- I, I, maybe it's cold. Maybe it was cold. I know Austin P. Sac State... It was torrential downpour. Yeah, that I don't blame. And North it, Dakota State was pampered because they're indoors. They, but they did show out. They yeah, like exactly. 15,000 there. Exactly. I don't know how many that can hold, but I, I bet it's a little more than 15,000. Plus, I can guarantee Bison fans can handle much colder weather right. than people from Virginia. Monta- 
in it, where JMU is, isn't it's relatively Somewhere warm down there. Jersey boy. Um, you, so you're gonna tell me that Virginia has worse cold weather than North Dakota? No. So that's what I'm saying. I think that those Bison fans are probably, if they had to go watch a game in the cold, they would show up and show out. Montana State showed out pretty good. They looked like they had a, a raucous yeah, crowd. Weber yeah. State, like like ghost town. Ghost town. What are we doing? There's not that uh, many people I'm in just Utah. Trying to see here. No. That's not what it is, Joe. <laughs> There's not that many people in Utah. Did yeah. you, have you watched the Utah games? That's true. Yeah. They were all okay. at the Utah game. <laughs> I'm trying to see here. Who else? Northern Iowa, South Dakota State, nobody. No. Ghostland. A little disappointing. I, I, it was I'm a little sure weird. There will be a better you think so? attendance in the second round because it's going to be a Friday, all mostly Friday night games. So it's going to be a little bit it's going to be a little bit different of an environment. But we have eight games for you that we need to recap here. And I would like to just preface this in saying that we're going to break down the close ones in a lot more detail than these blowout games that shouldn't really need much of an explanation because if you get blown out, there's not really much to break down. So kicking yeah. things off, though, going in the order that these games were played, at the times that they were played, oh. JMU beat Monmouth 66-21. to And this game was baffling, the score, because... At one point, this game was really close early on. Monmouth even had a touchdown lead. And Pete Guerrero had that 93-yard rushing touchdown on the first drive. And it looked like Monmouth was going to continue to be explosive, and this was going to be a shootout, high-scoring game. But nope, he doesn't even eclipse 150 for the whole game, only has 107. So they immediately were able to keep him in check. It was a bit of a fluke, that one play. He got lucky. So did the Monmouth ops, um, offense. JMU ends up racking up. 623 yards, 332 yards rushing, and a clearly dominant win. Monmouth only 266 total yards. Yeah, that's the yardage ratio I was talking about last week. And JMU, I mean, they gave up that kick return touchdown, which is two games in a row where they've given up a kick return touchdown. So whoever they're facing, that could be a, a trend for you to, to look at, which we should have mentioned last week. Monmouth, it just... They couldn't stop JMU's offense. They just couldn't. They didn't have the dogs to, to do it. Uh, JMU was just moving it down the field at will, and it was it just became out of hand quickly. I mean, first quarter, it was just touchdown, 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 touchdown. You know, spawn die, spawn die. So Monmouth could have No, that's what it was. Monmouth, yeah. Monmouth defense comes out, you know, they spawn out there, and then they just go down. It was just tough. And – I'll give it to Monmouth, but the narrators, I mean, it's like they weren't treating them, not the narrators, the broadcasters, pardon me. Did you did you pick up on this no. just before we move on to the next game? That the, the the broadcasters were like acting like Monmouth almost was in a completely different league than JMU. And I get it this score, you know, five times, ten games, they'll probably get this score five times. But I mean, they were they were a great team all year. Yeah, I, I just didn't like the narrative that was being pushed throughout the game. Also, I I think that that's just generated from the fact that there's overall not a ton of knowledge on FCS football. Okay. and I I we we would both agree on that. So I don't know who the color commentator was and the play by play was, but I'm sure they have this perception that Monmouth didn't belong. But but just because they're in a slightly smaller conference in the Big South, I don't think that they're that much of a step below. But we did obviously learn that there is a big difference between the best CAA team and the best Big South team. Right. But it was like 21-21, and it was like, Monmouth's hanging in there. I'm like, 
I was hanging in there. How about they J- were, they, J- they JMU's were, getting surprised? Yeah, How about they, that? yeah. And then, but the the fact of the matter is that JMU yeah. obviously able to eventually take control, blow the lid off the thing to the fullest extent. And we were once a part of a a loss to JMU that was eerily similar. We didn't score as many points, and they scored a lot more. It was like eighty to seven. Let's not dawn on that though. The next game, Thanks. this one was okay. yeah. You're welcome for the uh, the bad memory. Just ruined Sean's day. <laughs> Next game that we had up ended up being a really, really tight one. Defensive battle, absolute opposite game of the JMU Mammoth one, and that was Northern Iowa 13, defeating South Dakota State, the seeded South Dakota State Jackrabbits 13 to 10. And South Dakota State looked hot going up 10 to 0 in the second half. They had a 10 to 0 lead, but. Little did they know that those were the only points that they were going to score. Northern Iowa proved that that defense could take over a game, could slow them down, hold an opposing offense from moving the ball, did not have a contribution from Pierre Strong Jr. in this game. A pick by Roosevelt Lawrence by UNI exemplifies the defensive standout performance by them, ends up setting a scoring up opportunity for them. Trevor Allen punches it in to tie the game 10 to 10 and then this game was over after a 18 yard field goal by Matt Cook that's a chip shot I would say 99.9 times out of 100 a kicker is going to make that 18 yard chip shot so that was enough to ultimately decide the game you and I the only offensive team to have a good performance in one end and that was 114 rushing yards I said it last week I said my gut feeling is that Northern Iowa has found their way here and nothing in particular has stood out about them to me. And it is just a team that goes out and they find a way to win football games. What can you peg as a as something that stands out for Northern Iowa? What What's one attribute of the team that, that really that you're like, wow, this is what they are best at? I would say their defense and I would, I would argue that their pass defense. Statistically, it might not always look like that, but... Forcing turnovers and interceptions and playing stout on third down is what, what helped them get this win. For me, it's just winning football games. That's their best attribute. That's that's just what I see. Keeping it simple. Because you look at the stat lines, you look at the bat box score, It's they're not, there's no gaudy numbers anywhere. There's nothing that, that alludes to the fact that this team is going on to the quarterfinals. It, I don't know. Northern Iowa, it's hard to, to go against them if they just find their way to keep going. Yeah, and I think you got to attribute that to uh, Coach Mark Farley, who's the head coach at UNI, and having that strong presence and being able to win those close football games and keep your team in it, even though you're down 10 nothing in the second quarter, saying, hey, we're still in this thing. We're playing some great defense. Offense, we just need to get some opportunities. If defense forces a turnover, we're going to punch that thing in. And that's exactly what they were able to do. There are a lot of talented teams that end up not making the playoffs just because they don't know how to win. And they will always fall to a team that is less talented but just knows how to win. That sounds a little familiar. Uh, yeah. Illinois State, <laughs> you want to bring Central stuff. Arkansas. <laughs> Next game that we have here, and this one seemed close, but let's just keep this one simple, Sean, and we'll give our uh, our good friend Kwame what he wants to hear. Let's just talk about James Robinson because this man has dominated in the playoffs. Now, there are games where we've seen him shut down and slowed down early on in the season. Those were the games that they lost. But whenever they decide to just hand him the football and say, go, 
dominate and take over this game. Go fight for those extra yards. Go be aggressive in the middle of the field. Go pick up those chunk plays. That's exactly what they did. 37 carries for James Robinson in this victory for Illinois State. Upset over Central Arkansas. Not really much of an upset, I would argue. 37 carries, 210 yards, two touchdowns. Now for Central Arkansas, Braylon Smith, three interceptions. So this is very characteristic of this Illinois State team that we've seen all year when they play well, which is forcing turnovers, great defense, and James Robinson bludgeoning opposing teams on the ground. Robinson, and I'm not trying to make this the, the James Robinson recap, but he just reads I, blocks. I kind of I kind of like the James Robinson <laughs> recap. He just reads. If he does it again. We're doing it again. <laughs> he reads his blocks at an elite level. On the touchdowns that he scored, it, you just can easily see the patience that he is running with, and he just sees <clears> the defense, and he is very good at anticipating what gap they're going to be in and what gap he needs to be in. Uh, another takeaway that I had: the Redbirds' defense. <clears throat> pardon me. Six tackles for loss and four sacks. So that front seven was performing all game. But if you have one thing to take away here for the next game when you're watching Illinois State, they gave up 11 tackles for losses in this game to Central Arkansas's defense. And I'm not saying – I mean, Central Arkansas, number eight, they obviously have a very good defensive line and good linebackers also. You're going to get some tackles for loss. But 11 tackles for loss in a game is not acceptable in the quarterfinals. You you shouldn't even be giving up more than than five if you want to win, especially with a running back like that. You need to get up and get creative, and you can't give up that much pressure. Yeah, that's certainly important. And for their next matchup, James Robinson is going to be really, really key. And if they can continue to establish that consistency, now 37 carries is an obscene amount for a running back, but I'm sure that because he is very close to moving on to the next level and being drafted as an FCS running back, that he's just telling his coaches, he's doing the opposite of what we see at the FBS level. He's just telling his coaches, hey, my run's coming to an end. I'm gonna I'm gonna carry this team if I have to. Yeah, and FCS running back has to prove himself every game. Uh, he has to prove himself more than FBS running back. So these playoff carries, it's not he's not Nick Bosa taking himself out for the for the or Christian McCaffrey even did yeah, that. He, Leonard Fournette did that. You're not taking yourself out for this game to not get hurt. You are going out to prove yourself and say, hey, I'm I'm all about this. Our next game, and this one was another bloody battle. Not really a battle, but just a beating. Jeez. Montana. Prepare yourself, folks, if you don't know this score. Montana, 73. Southeast Louisiana, 28. So this, this a game like this kind of makes you question the level of parity for some of the lower-end teams because this Southeast Louisiana team beat Villanova, and Villanova was a very good football team. So I kind of wonder the difference and level between them. Just kind of keeping it 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 simple here and and discussing what the key storylines from this game. Montana has 600 total yards at the end of the day, giving up like we've alluded to 73 points. That is just a horrible defensive performance. There is no sweet talk in that. There's no no putting any icing on that. You know, terrible defensive performance. You just know what happened. Yeah, you, you can't win a football game giving up 600 yards to your to your opponent. You just can't. And, and oh, go ahead, go ahead. I Wait. don't want you to give away the whole stat line for the first point here. I won't. But Samori Torre, he he just made a name for himself for maybe next year going on. 
he really, really stepped up this game, and he torched them. I mean, he absolutely torched Southeast Louisiana. He's done that in multiple games, and a lot of people always assumed Sam Ockham was the guy. He was that receiver well, we that did. was – I mean, he came out of we nowhere. We did too, yeah. He, he, but he's had multiple games like this where yeah. he's had huge stat lines. We're not going to say what it is because we're saving that for a later segment, folks, and you can probably guess what that is. But I want to read this very fun quote that I got from the recap on Stats FCS written by Fritz Neighbor. And the quote was, after the game, Southern, sorry, Southeast Louisiana head coach Frank Scalfo said, I don't want to say he's fun to watch. Maybe from the stands he'd be fun to watch. But from the sidelines, he's a nightmare. That was talking about Dalton Sneed, who lit up Southeast Louisiana. And I'm not going to give away his stat line because he is also going to be appearing in our fat stats segment, which we'll get to later. But that's just a nightmare is the only way to describe and fully epitomize that game. He really balled out. And one thing to note here, Occam didn't play. Yes. He didn't play, or at least he didn't record a catch. So uh, we don't have the in uh, to know. We haven't heard anything about uh, his injury. Same thing with Pierre Strong Jr. We couldn't figure out. We're we're trying to figure – we're scrambling here. So – if you know what's going oh, on, we were scrambling. Well, we lo- we did the diligent research and nothing came up. Well, so, scrambling. Yeah, thank you. Okay, okay. The scrambling implies we're unprepared and we just walked into this. Not, no, no, not no, I'm just saying. A- we've been okay. Okay. All right, go ahead. Is that it? We'd like to know what's going on with with Occam. Yeah, if anyone knows, let us know. Also, if anyone knows what happened to Pierre Strong Jr., we'd also like to be enlightened. Thank you. Next game, CAA opponent goes down. Albany loses to Montana State, forty-seven to twenty-one. Montana State took control of this game. This was another one of the many blowouts we had. Another one of the games that's, that featured over 40 points and a, over a 20-point margin for a winning team. Montana State led it 47-7 to at one point. And those final 14 by Albany were just garbage time points by the Albany offense. They were just attempts to make the score look a little prettier. Didn't matter at that point. Didn't There was no shot that they were coming back. Under Cuffler, the promising young talent the wonder boy the wonderkin did not have such a great game only threw and completed 18 passes on 37 attempts two touchdowns two interceptions montana state looking unstoppable 483 total yards that's tough to stop it's tough to stop especially and this guy i mean this guy really stood out for me lance mccutcheon number 86 for montana state keep an eye on him next round he is a stud and he is Mike Evans esque from what I what I saw. He is six foot three. He is a beast. His play just, it reminds me of Evans at A and M uh, when he was there. He's just he's great. Keep an eye on him. He was huge. Albany couldn't stop him. Teams with good receivers have been the more dominant ones we've we've been starting to see and notice. But I just want to say, even though Montana State is clearly a very very dominant team, and both Montana teams are very very dominant. I don't think anything should be taken away from Albany because they had an incredible run. They came back from an average record early on in the season to make it to the playoff. And this team is very young. They're very, very talented. And under Cuffler is only going to get better. Would not be surprised if he carried that kind of momentum and turned himself into a draftable prospect because very rarely do freshman quarterbacks come in and produce the way that he has. Is that your closing point? Yeah. That was the, that was well, the closing what, point? Yeah, no, you, you, you capped it off good, Joe. What do, okay. you, what do you want me to do? Weber State, Kennesaw State, sorry, Maceroni and Blythe, your Owls team and the triple option. 
could not defeat Weber State. So to recap this game, Kennesaw State led 17-12 at the half. They were looking good defensively. They were slowing down Josh Davis, who had a poor game in this one. Jonathan Murphy throws, of all, of all things, throws. We're talking about the, the, the triple option offense for Kennesaw. Throws a touchdown right before the half to take that 17-12 lead. Eventually, though, a bad pitch to Bronson Rex Steiner by Murphy gives Adam Rodriguez a scoop and score opportunity to punch it in, get some points, and that was the game. That was the deciding factor at that point in the game. That was how they were able to take control and the momentum after a simple operation that you expect to be clean and consistent when you're a triple option team. So as good as Murphy looked last week, he clearly there's a clear reason why he's the backup quarterback. Or the third string, rather, which was pointed out to us by Masseroni. Kennesaw ends up getting an interception as Constantine threw in with eight minutes left. Kennesaw was unable to capitalize on that turnover, and when they got the ball back, could not score, and that pretty much ended the game because Weaver State was able to hold out. Most notably, Josh Davis, only 36 yards, but two Weaver State receivers had over 100 yards, and that's Cooley and Ames. From what I saw in this game... Jeez, <clears throat> oh, pardon me. Thank you. You cannot fumble in these games, and you cannot fumble in the fashion that you did, Mr. Murphy. And I know you're beating yourself up, and I know you feel worse about it than, than I do. And that fumble cannot go for six. It, it just It's just one of those things where you cannot give up a touchdown when you are executing your strongest point of offense, which is the option. But what it I is their offense. It's their only yeah, thing in their offense. Exactly. So what I saw from this game, though, Kennesaw proved themselves, even in a loss. This loss, it showed going toe-to-toe with number three and having them on their heels the entire game. In number three's house, you proved to everybody else that said Kennesaw State hadn't played anybody or they can't play up to the competition, you proved that you can do it and that you belong there, even though you lost, even though you went out there and you didn't, and you're not going on to the quarterfinals, and it, it's sad and it's heartbreaking and all that, and, and Weber State just ended up winning. Everybody else you can tell to shove it because they either didn't make it or they got beat by Weber State by a lot worse. I would also make the argument, too, that, that Weber State fans, I would be a little bit concerned, and I know it's not easy to play against a triple option team and to play well, but they're going to be facing off against Montana, who just scored 73 points. So they, they need to clean some stuff up. If you can't get Josh Davis going, you can't have Constantine throwing picks. You got to be a lot cleaner. We're probably we'll definitely give you a, a very in-depth preview for all four games on the on the potentially Wednesday show. Is how we're probably going to do it. But still, I think Weber State needs to be on alert. They need to be prepared. Otherwise, that Montana game could end up going very badly and very south very, very quickly. Next, another blowout win you over wanna, 20 you, points. What you do you got? want to talk that last point, or you just want to skip it? What's the last point? Underneath. Oh, yes. So oh. Uh, I completely forgot about that. So we were um, – it was brought to our attention something, and it kind of took away from the, 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 the game a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Kenneth Ritchie, one of our listeners, sent me a video, and I, I didn't even see this when I watched the game. I didn't even notice because it was constantly flipping between the games, trying to watch one at a time. And apparently there was a play where a Kennesaw – group of Kennesaw players – 
approached the Weber State fans and kind of swiped in their direction. I don't know if there was any real physical contact. No, there was just, it was just good contact, yeah. Yeah, but I just I think that you need better coaching. You need better discipline. You can't be allowing stuff like that in a close football game. Things like that are it's just a distraction. A re- yeah, it's a distraction. Also, that shows that you can't maintain your composure. One with dealing with opposing fans, and two with in the game. It was a huge playoff game. Get away from the fans. What do we? Yeah, it took get away, away from the fans. Took, it, what are we doing? It really took it took that game away from me for Kennesaw because I it was, did also. Yeah, I, I, I thought like Kennesaw was like the whatever. What is it? The the heartbreak kid, Sundance kid. What is it called? The I don't know. Um, I don't know. They're like the the happy go lucky team that you just you're rooting for the whole mm-hmm. season because everybody was also always you know putting them down. You just want to see them stick it to somebody, and you, you like you see something like that. It just kind of dampers the mood. And Sean and I can attest to this that we've been at games where fans have jawed with players on the sideline, but like it's there, never escalated to that. There's I been th- interactions, yeah, and some you know the occasional turnaround in response because dumb people in certain areas of the country at certain schools say messed up things. Nothing too crazy. No, but it's it, crazy. And maybe a couple people in this room right now have interacted with, with fans at one point. Oh, I have. And I yeah, have. No, I, it's, sometimes you have fun with it. Sometimes you don't. I didn't have fun with the Virginia Tech one. That was a little more Why, were, hostile. What was, uh, yeah, I do agree, they, though, they, that they were, they, when, they were being very aggressive. When Ra went down, they started yelling at him. Really? And I pegged the kid out. I started pointing at him. We all started walking over. The kid got got the hell out of Dodge. And then uh, they were like throwing paper airplanes at. Yeah, that was annoying. Wheeler and then Wheeler (laughs) and then Wheeler was like, (laughs) Wheeler was scouting it out. He was he was like, where are you? (laughs) No, he was. I'd be scared. Wheeler might have got up there. I was a little nervous, but uh, it happens. It's an emotional game, uh, and fans they think that they're invincible. Which yeah. happens. I mean, I mean most it's, of the time they're drunk. You're a fan. I mean, it, it 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 can happen. I mean, Joe and I scream at the TV yeah. uh, when we're watching games, but you cannot take yourself out of the game like that in a playoff game. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, if something very bad was said, let the security and like that and the police officers there at the game handle it. We saw what, yeah, we we, we, we actually we did see that when we played game. JMU there was an there was an incident in the stands because a, a JMU player's father and one of our players parents got into an altercation uh because uh, I he threw something and it ended up hitting her. Uh, streamers. It was one of those stupid streamers that JMU loves to throw on the field. One of our players decided to call out that guy and say don't you dare do that and immediately which is the right thing to do one of the police officers on the sideline stepped in went in the stands told the guy if you do that again I'm throwing you out of here so allow them to handle the situation right. if someone is is that inappropriate you need to maintain your composure because that's just a distraction opposing fans their goal is to take you out of it I know we, we kind of dove into this more than I thought we were going to yeah. but it's, it's just it, it's tough I understand being a player and trying to deal with that you can't you just you can't you can't you, you, even make content, physical contact with them. High road. Yeah. Don't want a malice in the palace out in Utah. <laughs> North Dakota State. Nichols. Another 20-point blowout. And Nichols. you probably... You, Nichols. <laughs> Nichols. I don't know why you're so entertained by that. One he time... Too is entertained one, by one, it, one time, he too is so dumb. 
one time for some reason. No, I'm going to explain it. No, there's no need to explain it. I mispronounced it one time like a dunce, and Sean's <laughs> overly entertained, and he constantly... I think it was on the show, too, when we did it. No, 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 it wasn't on the show. It was after. No, we yeah, was at the meeting, yeah. and then you said it, and then it was... Because it was I when was Nichols the, was playing URI in basketball. Yeah, I'm so. the butt of the joke. <laughs> Nichols was the butt of the joke in this game. North Dakota oh, State, as like you... That. T- See, that's one of the things I hate, is that when listening to a show and... Somebody's like, "Oh, good transition!" Like, just let me transition. All right. I'm just saying. I, was I, know, I do it too. It. I, knew, I was impressed. I know. I know. I do it too. Nichols obviously does not look good against North Dakota State. You probably could have guessed that North Dakota State was going to be dominant here, 37 to 13. It was close though at half, like a number of these blowout games, 13 to seven at the half. But turnovers, like I pointed <laughs> out, turnovers, like I pointed out in. You like how I, I capitalize these things because I'm going to scream? I did. I just thought it was just a point of emphasis. I didn't know it was going to be. I'm going like to you, scream. You were going to scream. <laughs> Turnovers, though. Like I pointed out in the preview show that North Dakota State, even if you hang in there, you need to be 100% clean because they will turn the ball over. They will get the ball back. Chase Forcade doesn't even go over 100 yards passing and has two picks. And that led to North Dakota State eventually pulling away with ease. North Dakota State, as you could guess, one of the best rushing teams in the country, 264 yards on the ground. From that, Dominated. From that, I saw the line of scrimmage, or pardon me in the doc, line of scrimmage <laughs> being you, pushed back uh, greatly. Did from, you capitalize it? Oh, uh, you did. Yeah, uh, for, for North Dakota State, uh, their, their front five on offense, they just, that line of scrimmage just resets two yards back every every rushing play, and they just move people out of the way. <laughs> they mashed Nichols into the dirt this game, and that's all you can say. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> and another um, key from what I saw, North Dakota State, obviously, players, talent, coaching, uh, discipline, all of this, uh, everything they do, turnover ratio, special teams, all the things that they're great at. What I saw that they were phenomenal at this year, it was selfless play from the skilled players, especially on downfield blocking. The wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs, it, whoever didn't have the ball, they were going down and making a block, trying to spring a big one. And that is an attribute for a team that is destined for success. That is something that you see from great teams. Yeah, I apologize for NCAA.com having wonderful pop-up videos. Um, <laughs> thanks for that. One of the most professional websites I've ever seen. But North Dakota State, we are getting a rematch from early on in the season against Illinois State. That was a game where James Robinson was held in check, so we're going to have to see what happens there. We're going to go deep in analyzing that situation. It's basically James Robinson versus North Dakota State. You can't tell me otherwise. Last game, (laughs) big shocking one because the high-seeded Sacramento State, number four Mm. seed, the fourth-seeded Sacramento State team looked easily defeatable against Austin P. my favorite team. The team that I have continued to ride, forty-two to twenty-eight in favor of Austin P. Uh, they favor, have in favor of my favorite team that I've continued to ride. Yeah, God, they're facing off against Montana State. I love Sac State, but I can't. I could not pick Austin P. In that situation, I'm going to tell you right now. Resilient. I'm telling you right now. I'm not picking Austin P. Next round. Okay. Well, I'm telling you, I don't care. That's going to be a mistake. I don't care. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, Chief. So that game, though, this game, though, Austin P goes up 28 to nothing at one point. Crazy performance by Javon Craig, their quarterback, who is underrated as one of the best God, quarterbacks. Exactly. 
by being a dual threat. And we talked about all year Kevin Thompson being a dual threat guy, being electric and scoring so many touchdowns and being able to be mobile and escape the pocket and have a 100-yard rushing game if he needed to, but at the same time make all the throws all over the field. But Javon Craig outplayed him in the rain. He, he showed that, hey, people are talking about you. Well, they should be talking about me, damn it, because I'm the better one here. He proved that in this game away. Yeah, away across at the Sac country. State in California. Yeah. So much though hey, for Clark, Kim, yeah. Go well, ahead. In case you didn't know, Clarksville, Tennessee is pretty far away from Sacramento, California. Yeah, that's you know a couple <laughs> states over. So much though for Kevin Thompson and this amazing Sac State offense as they're dominating, putting up 400 yards a game and and lighting up box scores. They looked like an anemic offensive attack could barely move the ball as like I said they went down 28 to nothing at one point in this game Kevin Thompson decent performance 306 yards two touchdowns not enough to will his team for obvious reasons because he threw 53 passing attempts 53 that's too many the team only rushed for 99 yards so I wonder why you couldn't move the ball box score though I just want to say does not really tell the full story here because if you looked at it, Austin P had 499 yards, 405 for Sacramento, and it really just came down to closing down those drives. Austin P not allowing them to advance the ball very much further, keeping them out of the end zone. Even though they were able to move the ball, which they were going to be able to do, they were able to keep them out of the red zone. I tell you, I don't agree with your point here at the bottom. That says Javon Craig is better than Kevin Thompson. I just I, said that already. I know. I just don't agree with it because. The Austin P coaches are better than Sacramento State's coaches. All right, that's the fair. Austin P offensive coordinator did a fantastic job getting everybody to touch the ball. That stupid corner post route, they ran it twice and got two straight touchdowns with it. Two different wide receivers. It's they saw what it worked. They saw if you put another receiver there, they're probably not going to. They they think the Sac State's going to think, oh, they're not going to do the same thing. They do the same thing. Sac State didn't look inspired. They didn't have the offensive, I don't know, game plan to beat the game plan of Austin P's defense. I mean, often Austin P's defensive coordinator, and we didn't have one Austin P defensive player on our defensive players to watch earlier. And they are probably, <clears throat> probably one of the best defenses that we've seen in the entire playoffs in the last, in this entire season. But no, no one's talking about them. No one's talking about their defense because they just go out and they ball out. Sac State's they just weren't prepared. It didn't look like they wanted to play in the rain. It didn't look like the coaches had them fully prepared for what Austin P was going to do. They just got beat. But got beat bad. Yeah, and I think it really, you, you attribute this to, and we talked about the box score not really reflecting the actual game, and it was just Austin P having that bend but don't break approach on defense. They looked so good defensively all year long. They've been dominating teams defensively, and they did that in the first round. But now they have this very difficult task of facing one of the best offenses in the country. So instead of trying so desperately hard to choke them out early on in their drives, the goal instead was to allow them to move the ball but incrementally. Don't allow them to pick up those big plays. If they get into your side of the field, slow them down. Don't allow them to enter the red zone. Force them to, they didn't end up kicking any field goals, but try to limit them to at least a field goal. And an approach like that against a good offense is the best way to go about it. They were just suffocating. Yeah. So 28 0, and no one's talking about their defensive coordinator or their defense. That's what we we're here for. Would not be surprised if Austin P's defensive coordinator 
is I, I wouldn't be considered to be a head coach. I wouldn't be either. Yeah, would not he, be surprised. Top candidate. Where wherever this Austin P team goes, a number of these coaches from this staff could be moving up and onward to huge opportunities. I mean, like we saw from our team last year when we went six and five, we had multiple coaches leave to go to bigger programs, like FBS programs. Yeah. So performances like this really define that coaching staff. They'll probably be moving on and getting new jobs. Now to cap things off before we get to Kwame's corner, fat stats, Sean, his favorite segment of the show. Because we just love being fat. Sean, who's your fat stat? Mr. Samori Torre. You are my fat stat of the week and well-deserving of it. 12 catches, 303 yards, and three touchdowns. That's a passing stat line. <laughs> He's a wide receiver, and he, he made up for half of Montana's offense, a yardage in the game. Absolutely nuts. Absolutely fat. As you can assume, in a game where an offense scores 73 points, I'm going to be picking the guy tossing the ball to him, and that was Dalton Sneed, underrated quarterback, one of the most dominant in the FCS. Great for Montana, especially in this game, 459 yards, five touchdowns, picked apart Southeast Louisiana, leading to 600 total yards of offense. Now to wrap things up for Kwame's Corner, we have two questions from our good friends, Nick Masseroni and Sean Blythe. As you could assume, they're upset about their team losing, and I don't blame you for being upset. But we got a good question from Nick. First one says, um, I know you'll probably touch on this already, but is Austin P a legit contender for the FCS championship this year? I would say yes. If they beat Montana State, if they come out and play well against Montana State, I am going to say that they are they are a, an underdog favorite to make it to the final. I would argue that. And they look like they could play Montana State close. I got to be in this year's main, basically. That's fair. I, I They'll go to the four. They'll go to the four. And I don't think they're going to win. Realistically, if they do beat Montana State, They'd have to beat North Dakota State. So I would argue, though, that it's yeah, plenty of momentum. It's a lot of momentum. I would consider them to be a contender, but contender only means so much because you, you can be a contender, but you're still not going to be better than JMU or North, North Dakota State because of how talented they are. Question from Sean Blythe. I know KSU isn't looking for participation trophies or brownie points, but from a football player's perspective... What does hanging in with a FCS powerhouse during your rebuilding year in December do for the psyche of next year's team? I I would I would argue that it just helps build positivity. And if you know that you're bringing back a lot of players, which I'm pretty sure that they are, it's good momentum going in the offseason because those workouts during the offseason are going to be very, very different. I think it's gonna. It, it could be a culture change completely, and this Kennesaw State team and the rebuilding year. Uh, note that you brought up. It's reminiscent of the Yankees in Judge's rookie season, uh, wait, the year uh, Girardi left. They weren't even supposed to go to the ALCS. No one thought they were gonna, and they did. So their culture is completely changed. So we expect Kennesaw to have another really good year next year. All right, that's going to be it from us, folks. Thank you for tuning in, as always. And it's looking like we're going to put out a Wednesday show, likely a little bit later in the day on Wednesday seems to be the the best trend. So we're going to get it to you earlier than we typically do just because we have three games being played 
on Friday night, a 7 o'clock, an 8 o'clock, and a 10 o'clock game. We're going to be up late on Friday watching football. I know you will be too. That is obviously Eastern Standard Time if you did not know that. Thank you for tuning in, though, folks. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Joe DeLeon and also follow Sean at Sean Anderson. 65. Also follow Believe Podcasts on social media at B-L-E-A-V Podcasts. Also rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, you name it, we are there. If I didn't even name it, we are definitely there. But if you can't find us, we are on Believe.com, spelled B-L-E-A-V.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.